Today, Brian, we gather as the church to affirm your Christian experience, which has led you to discern and accept the call to the sacred order of priests. You come before us better equipped and with a richer experience than many people receiving holy orders. And yet I'm sure that you will agree that you stand here not because you feel you deserve it, and not because you feel you've earned it, and not because you feel you've accomplished something, but because the grace of God has brought you to this place and this moment. It's a humbling experience, isn't it? And we share that feeling. All of us who are baptized and all of us, those of us who are in holy orders. And we often wonder, why would God choose us? Like Isaiah, you've heard God's call, and in fear and trembling you have answered, here I am, send me. We don't usually think of Jerry Garcia as a theologian or a prophet. <laughs> I see several people here old enough to remember who Jerry Garcia is. But his words sum up the feelings of Isaiah and all prophets, apostles, martyrs, and ordinary folks just like us in the presence of the one who calls us. Jerry said, somebody has to do something. It's a pathetic thing that it has to be us. History and experience have shown us that ordained bearers of the word of God need to be equipped with a variety of skills and to be exposed to a variety of practical and academic disciplines in order to be as effective as possible in declaring the message God wants the world to hear. It's an important and urgent message, and we never really feel equal to the task. No matter how long we're at it, no matter how long the process leading to ordination or the years following our ordination, most of us in holy orders would be in agreement on one thing. We seldom feel completely prepared, and we certainly never feel worthy of the calling. And yet we stand upon the shoulders of those who have gone before us and who felt the same way as we continue to declare this ancient apostolic message, a message of love divine. They felt their inadequacy too. But also like us, they felt the urgency of that message in their own day and went to enormous trouble to be faithful witnesses. They were persistent, and so we must be. William Carey, who has been recognized as the father of modern missions, spent seven years in India before he baptized his first convert. Adam Clark spent 40 years writing his commentary on the scriptures. Medical missionary and explorer David Livingston served 14 years in Africa before he witnessed any results. And think of the first Episcopal bishops and missionaries who came to Wyoming. They came from established cities with entirely different sets of cultural norms and conveniences than what they encountered here on the frontier. 
they must have felt inadequate and unprepared to the task. And yet they did their part to herald God's reign and to make disciples in this part of God's world. It's a different Wyoming today, but we still feel inadequate. And so to be faithful in our witness, we, like those who came before us, have to be persistent. It has been said that there's no limit to what can be accomplished in the world if it doesn't matter who gets the credit. I think that's a particularly good proverb for most human groups. But for people of faith, I'd like to suggest that we take a slight revision and say there's no limit to what can be accomplished in the world if God gets the credit. We can look back and see how much has been accomplished in the redemption of the world. It's amazing that people like Paul and Timothy declared the gospel in a relatively small region of the world. And today there are believers everywhere. But if we were to be able to look at things through the eyes of prophets, apostles, martyrs, and saints through the generations, we might see how slow and painful that progress appeared to most of them. To be faithful in our witness, we have to ask for God's help to always be mindful of the big picture. Today we recall St. Paul's exhortation to the Philippians. He wrote, Finally, beloved... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Several times the last couple of weeks, I wanted to send that to some people I saw on the television. <coughs> As priests, it is our duty and our privilege not only to exhort the people of God given into our care to think about these things, but also we're called to exhort them to do something about these things, to find those ways and places in which we're called to actively participate in God's mission. Titus Pressler is one of the outstanding scholars of the Episcopal Church in the theology of Christian mission. And he wrote, Mission is not fundamentally something we do as Christians, but a quality of God's own being. It is not a program of ours, but the path of God's action in the world. The mission of the church, therefore, derives from the mission of God. And it has meaning only in relation to what God is up to in the universe. Already engaged in mission, God simply invites us to participate in what God is already doing. So, Brian, the message of God is to be proclaimed both in word and action. All of us are to remember that an essential part of our proclamation of the message is to equip and empower others to do so as well. The mission is entrusted to the entire church, not just to the clergy. St. Paul also wrote that some are called to be pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God 
to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. This is the story we have inherited, and today we're ordaining you and charging you with the duty to continue the story in those places and among the people you are sent to shepherd. Once there was a woman who told stories. Her name was Scheherazade. She was a beautiful young woman of Arabia, taken by the sultan to be his wife. And alas, that was not a great blessing, for the sultan, who was a restless soul, had the habit of keeping his wives for only one night and then killing them the next day. But unlike her unfortunate predecessor, Scheherazade had the wit to save herself. On her wedding night, she persuaded the sultan to let her tell him just one story. He became engrossed in her tale. And then she stopped in the middle of it. (laughs) The sultan decided to let her live another day so that he could learn how the story ended. Well, that night she finished the story and began another one. And thus it continued for a thousand and one nights. Scheherazade kept death at bay by telling stories, and we call those the Arabian Nights, a thousand and one stories, until at last the sultan realized that he loved her and he kept her alive. You know, in a sense, the world is kept alive by the Christian story. And its adherents are kept spiritually alive in the telling and the doing of the gospel message through word and sacrament, from pulpits and altars, in hospitals and universities, in thrift shops and food pantries. As with Scheherazade, the story is to be continued in our telling of it, in our time. I wonder how you will do that, Brian. You've waited a long time for this day, but your waiting has not been passive. You've used the time to be further formed for the ministry to which you've been called. You've sought the grace of God to work in you to add maturity, to stir up the gift that is within you, and to humble you. You've endured some perilous times in your life and in this journey but you've given so much to others along the way. Epictetus said, no great thing is created suddenly, anything any more than a bunch of grapes or a fig. Let it first blossom, then bear fruit, then ripen, he said. Things like ordination should occur when we're ready according to God's time. Kairos, not according to Kronos, linear time. Kairos determines when babies are ready to be born, when fruit is ripe, when the seasons come and go, and when Christian souls are ready to receive the transforming gift and grace of holy orders. Now, Brian, the church has discerned that the Holy Spirit has been at work in you, molding you and shaping you into the servant God wants you to be. 
not for your sake, but for the sake of the gospel. And so today the church entrusts you with holy orders. A number of years ago, a Roman Catholic order called the Trinitarian Fathers was about to disband, and they got a, a new head of the order, and he decided he was going to try to recruit more people to be a part of that order of priests. And so he took out ads in a number of nationally circulated magazines that tend to appeal to men. And these ads were stark black and white ads featuring right in the center a crucifix with our Savior hanging on the cross. And beneath was the caption, Inasmuch as we're inviting you to become a priest, we thought it was only fair to tell you and show you what one looks like. So Brian, always remember that these orders belong to the church. You must be the steward of them in the pulpit, at the font, at the altar, in the mission field, all around you, in word and action. Declare the message that has changed your life. We hope you never reach the point where you feel you've finally arrived and are fully equipped and that you will always stand before God as if it were the first time. Never lose awareness of the urgency of the story. Be persistent. Equip the saints. No matter how often people want to tempt you to lower the standards or reduce the expectations, do what God is calling you to do in a way that challenges you to offer yourselves to God's honor and glory and always with excellence. Once again, Jerry Garcia has different words to get the point across. You don't merely want to be considered the best of the best. You want to be the only one who does what you do. And that's because you are unique. You're one of a kind. You're God's child. You are God's servant with a story to tell and a mission to pursue among God's people. Through your ministry, the story of Christ, the story of God's yearning for a relationship with God's human children, the story of your personal pilgrimage of faith, and our story will be continued until it is all praise and all is light. And with those who have been faithful stewards of the story before us, we hear the lover of our souls say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.